I looked at acting as this lifeline to get me out of my current situation, not something that made me who I was or was a piece of me. It was like the savior I was looking for. Ready to go learn how to live healthier, wealthier, and wiser as an artist in showbiz? Hey, I'm Lara Bianca Pilcher. I'm crazy about helping artists to live out their creative dreams and nurture themselves at the foundation of their creative career. I'm an artist and actor and showbiz educator with over 20 years in the arts and entertainment industry in London, Australia, and now Atlanta, USA. I'm here to show you how to navigate this topsy-turvy world called showbiz, uncover the secrets of success, unlocking the powerful artist you are. I've done a lot, performed, worked in TV, film, radio, stage, produced, directed, choreographed, acting, singing, voice work, musical theatre, dance company, toured, moved, casting, auditioned, self-taped, teaching, press, critics, branding, marketing, side hustles, and all the hoo-ha, while maintaining a happy marriage with two gorgeous kids. And there will only be real talk here, friends. Think of this podcast as a masterclass in helping you build your creative career, while also learning how to holistically navigate the artist's life. This is the Healthy, Wealthy, Wise Artist Podcast. My guest today is Sam Valentine. She is the host of the very popular podcast, One Broke Actress. Sam moved to LA with a theatre degree and more conviction than she had dollars, in her own words, and she proceeded to spend the better part of a decade trying to be anything that the breakdown, the audition, the casting sheet wanted. She created One Broke Actress because she saw a need for stories and advice from real working actors with get real tips on what to do when you get a next day audition when you're face deep in your third margarita. (laughs) She is honest and shares that she is not the all-knowing being of Hollywood who has booked a billion jobs and made big bucks with acting, but she feels that there is a lack of honest sharing from actors in the thick of it and I have to agree for all performers We don't often hear the honest truth about what it is to be a performer, particularly at the beginnings of our career, because this career is crazy in its own special way, but that doesn't mean that we need to be. So let's get real and maybe learn a life lesson or two in the process with Sam. Hey, Sam, welcome. All right. Well, it's so good to be with Sam, a fellow podcaster, a fellow passionate artist and a fellow actor. I'm on the other side of the country. I'm in Atlanta. You're in Los Angeles. I'm an mm-hmm. Aussie. You are not an Aussie. No, I wish. <laughs> I wish all the time. <laughs> you use white noise for dogs. I use white noise for my children. There's some things in common there. It's the same. <laughs> the same but different. <laughs> I want to start with asking you, what do you think draws so many performers and actors in, in you know, your case, to the arts industry. There's Mm. so many people who want to perform as a career. What drew you? What started the whole journey for you? Yeah. This is the only thing I ever wanted to do. I remember being a kid and dressing up for class and, uh, you know, we had like career day where you dress up what you wanted to be. And I could never figure out how to dress as an actor. I was like, what do do actors wear? What do I put on? How do I, how do I make myself look like an actor? So I remember one year I ended up wearing like a beret and with like, uh, and bringing a like a speaking horn. So I came as a director. <laughs> like a thespian. <laughs> That's a great, great response. <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to try. And then I think for a while I was like, I'll be a vet. But really, I just wanted lots of pets. Um, but, you know, I think there's there's a, such a dreamy quality about, about this whole business and about being able to play pretend for a living. And you know, everyone wants to try on someone else's shoes. Everyone wants to see another world. And the cool thing about the creative space is that we are glorified gig workers. So there's no, this is it mentality because every job is so different, whether you're an artist in terms of like clay or oil paints or, you know, a craft or something like that, or whether you're a voice artist or an on-camera actor, it's every job is so different and the people involved are different and the project is different. And that I think has its own allure to it, that there is no, you never know what's coming next, which can Mm. be the worst also. (laughs) Definitely not for everybody, but it is Mm -hmm. freaking adventurous. And I'd say that you have to, you know, answer the call to adventure, I think, to want to be a performer, right? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Would you say that for you? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love the word adventure too because it adds a little bit of of excitement in something that doesn't always feel it. Once you're in it, you realize mm-hmm. that it is very much a job, and you are going to do repetitive work at different points in time. And you are going to get your same reps in the same places. But there is always a chance that you could book a job and fly across the country. There's always a chance that you could need to dye your hair pink and sh- or shave half your head tomorrow. There's always a chance. And I think that that is the sense of adventure that you're, you captured so well with that word is like, yeah. let's see. Yeah. So it's those song lyrics into the unknown, isn't it? It's mm. like, I'll bring bring it. I love the unknown. I love adventure. I love change. And I think a lot of performers probably do because it's definitely not the routine sort of thing every day. So what does your career path look like for you? I mean, Starting it's been a theater. <laughs> it's theater been, girl, right? <laughs> ooh, yes. I, I got my education in theater. I I grew up in the Midwest and there was no I didn't have any examples of people doing this job as a job. It was people who did it for fun or in the community theater, which I'm so grateful for. There was always community theater around. And so there was always people who were adults in this, which I'm really grateful for that I saw adults doing this because as a kid, you might think it's just you or you might think it's not possible. But I also didn't see anybody succeeding in it being a job apart from the people who taught theater, mm-hmm. uh, like my my middle school theater teachers, that kind of a thing. Uh, and so in growing up, we switched towns a lot, but they were all small towns. It was all very much, you know, people who had regular quality Midwest jobs and, you know, a day-to-day life and not a lot of like artists in the mix. And uh, I made the bold choice in college to say, I'm going to go to school for acting. And I'm very grateful that my parents were supportive of that. Mm -hmm. And the acting available in college to me, I went to Missouri State, was a theater program. So I went to school for theater. I studied theater. I'm I'm very grateful for that because it grounded me in a world of make it real but go big so they can bring you back down, which I think is sometimes missing from some on-camera classes, right? Because they're like, it's so grounded, it's so nuanced, and we don't know how to get bigger sometimes. Um, and so there's 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 gifts in all sorts of training, but that was the gift in that one. And you know, being on stage, there's just a vibe and there's a feeling mm-hmm. to it and earning that place. And and so it was a it was a really competitive program. I graduated with my BFA. I made my own film minor because I wanted to study film. And so I created it myself. I took night classes in film just so I could be, you know, around that sort of art. And then I did a senior showcase in LA and I was like, that's it. I'm moving to LA. I'm living in LA. And I got here and I realized I had little to no understanding of what acting on camera was. <laughs> Do you <laughs> so know I've what's been catching so cool. up since then? <laughs> I love that. And what I, I was at class the other day, actually, an on-camera class, and we had to do some improvisation. And what really – I came home and I said to my husband – you know, it's so funny because I'm like, I've got it. Here I am with my master's in musical theater from a top mm. London conservatory and no one cares when you're in a film. It's like, show me what you can do. Do you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. here's here's the thing. When I was in class, we had to improvise and guess who could improvise? The theater trained actors. Mm. <laughs> and that ah. might not be the case after a while because I think the, you still need to have that technique, don't you? What have you found in class in, in L.A.? Has theater worked for or against you in general? I think it it depends. It, initially, having coming out here with a BFA, I thought, oh, this is like, they have never seen anything like this. They had seen a lot of like this. They had seen a lot of me. <laughs> so, <laughs> Blonde Caucasians, you mean? <laughs> uh-huh, exactly. I was, I was super brunette then, so like totally different. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, I just think, I think that I thought I was super trained and I thought that I was super special. And that's, you know, growing up in a really privileged lifestyle, I just assumed I was the main character in all of the stories. And I'm not, nor should I be. And coming to LA, I realized my training actually was doing me a disservice because I assumed I was done. I assumed that I had learned mm-hmm. it, that I knew it, that now I just had to go perform it and just had to go get people to pay me to do it. And what I really needed to do was find my beginner mindset again, which I've refound mm. in college and all of those other places and start back with 
what do I, what, what can I get better at? What do I, and what do I enjoy? Right. I think I lost that for many, many years in this business was what, what actually gets me going? What gets me excited? Is it a laugh? Is it a cry? Is it a feeling? Like, what is it that I wanted to work on? And so once I kind of got out of my head of being like done or ready in any capacity and started actually going to class with an open mindset, not thinking I knew better than anyone, I definitely showed up better in my work, and uh, and then I got started getting in front of the camera as much as possible, and that was a whole new ball game, <laughs> whole new world. <laughs> it really is, isn't it? It's like a totally different thing, and I love that you said that because we never are done with learning, and it does take. I, I agree with you. I think it takes humility to continue to learn at no matter what age or level or what you've done, who's in class with you. I think you have to come with a humility mindset, don't you? And it's, and it's forever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it just, and it makes you show up on set better too, because then you're actually listening and not just, you know, when you think you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. And I thought mm. I was the smartest person in every room I went into. I was just, I mean, a gift of being 22 is that you just think you're so <laughs> <Youthful> ready. arrogance. <laughs> Youthful I arrogance, know. yes. <laughs> now I'm in my mid-30s and I'm like, what can I learn from everyone around me? Like, what can I take in? What can I bring? Yeah. And and that that has served me so much better. And and the the process of seeing my I, – I also wanted to jump timelines, and I'm sure you know what I mean by this. Like I wanted yeah. to just get to the point where I was better. I wanted to just get to the point where like things were working, whatever that meant, instead of enjoying the process, which I mm. understand – it's hard to enjoy the process when you're working five-day jobs. It's hard to enjoy yeah. the process when you're running around town you know, at five o'clock trying to get to your serving shift from Santa Monica from a commercial yeah. audition, you know, it's, it's so hard to enjoy it, but I do wish that I would have slowed down a little more and taken that in as part of the process and not seeing myself as behind all of the time. Mm, I really like that. That's so true. And now how long have you been in LA now? Uh, like a, a decade be, or more? I'm 12 years. That is a long time. Would you yeah. say that, you know, staying in working as long as you have in LA, that time does equal results? <sighs> Not in the way that I think I thought it would. Um, time, I think over a period of time, you can look back and see results. But when you're in the day-to-day, -day, it's really hard to see because this business is not linear. You know, I, I thought once I booked some big roles that they would continue to show up for me or I would continue to book big roles. And that's not really how it goes. You can book some stuff for a little bit and then you might hit a quiet period. Sometimes a quiet period is a month. Sometimes it's two years. And, uh, and I thought, you know, if I hit a quiet period, it would mean I lost it. Whatever it was that I got my, you know, paws on and got my grip on. Um, but looking back over 12 years, you know, if I look at my first reel versus what it is now, if I look at my list of credits versus what it is now, it's, it's, it's great. It's something I would have dreamed about. Um, but I think when you're living in the day to day, you kind of miss the nuance of like that big picture so much. That's true. I always think the bar just keeps on moving, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have you felt that? Have you felt yourself in Atlanta feeling those same type of feelings? Because Atlanta now has yeah. so many opportunities. Yeah. I mean, it's a wonderful place. And I only moved here um, not even a year ago. Um, oh. So I moved from Melbourne during the pandemic mm. to teach as a pro associate professor of acting in a California conservatory, but I wanted to come to Atlanta. I just sort of had to take, because I'm not American, this visa sort of journey mm -hmm. <laughs> that allows mm -hmm. me to get into the country and work and all of those things. Yeah, and something we take yeah. just for granted, yeah, you, yeah. how bad you wanted to be here working. Yeah, yeah, and I, I mean, it took us years, and, but my husband got a job here, which in the visa, the spouse visa I'm on means I can act. And um, mm. and do what I like here, but uh, yeah, I'm only about nine months into the journey. So what's funny though, it's like moving markets, um, particularly for me. I'm not like 21 anymore. Um, mm -hmm. It's weird because you you not only lose social capital, but you lose career capital. So I feel like I'm at ground zero, but I'm okay with that. Like I embrace that. I'm like bring it on, because I yeah. wanted to be here, and I knew that that would be 
the case. But yet, like you said, I look back and I'm like so grateful for my journey so far as a performer in different arts markets. The, my time in London, I mean, I, I just would never want to change that in order yeah. to have come to Atlanta earlier. So I'm very, very grateful. And I'm grateful for my theatre years as well. And mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, now it, it's very much like focus on on camera and class mm. on camera, and um, yeah, it's humbling. But also, I don't mind that. You kind of like you said over over time, you I think learn that humility is just part of it. It's it's better to be humble and start again. <laughs> yeah, and isn't it yeah. so funny that we think of theater as you know a stepping stone to get to this yeah. point? But then you see, yeah. if you look at actors' entire career trajectory, it's like. They'll yep. spend all of their time in film and television, and then they'll hit a point where they get to pick a project, and so many people want to go do a play. Yeah. <laughs> they really want to so get, get on, on Broadway or whatever. Yeah. yeah. You're, or, or off off Broadway or something like that. Like they want to mm. go do something because it's really, you know, it's so much more raw than being yeah. on than being on a set. And and I sometimes I do miss that. You know, I just mm-hmm. I actually read for someone recently who was auditioning for a play and I was like, I kind of got excited. I didn't end up booking it, but I was excited about the potential of getting back on a stage and feeling those feelings. Yeah. And it's so funny because I thought that was like the thing that would get to me, you know, get me to my next thing. And now that I'm I feel like I'm actually an artist and not just an actor, mm-hmm. I think that that is something inevitably I will go back to to like fill my cup at some point. Yeah, I really, I, I so um, understand the journey and it's funny because in London, another thing I was talking about this week with a friend is like in London, if you read, if you're watching a West End musical, it would be the same in Broadway probably, but every um, performer's little bio in and headshot in the program, they will have come through a top conservatory. So they mm. really are a refined and skilled and trained triple threat artist um, and it's those top conservatories that get the showcases, that get signed to the agents and book the work. And you, it's unheard of that you would just arrive there with no conservatory training. And, mm. and you know, yet you come into a film market and you can go, I'm tired of being a nurse. I think I want to do acting. And you could book something without mm. any formal <laughs> training. And that's the thing that still blows my mind. Um, with the differences yeah. in terms of remember, artistry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember sitting in an early commercial audition. It was like a big audition for me to get. Like this was like, it was like a Coke or, a, you know, one of like a big, some McDonald's or some big brand name. And I was like, wow, this is so big. I've worked so hard to get in this room. And I ended up talking to someone next to me and they're like, yeah, I'm just on my lunch break. I got to get back. Like I'm a doctor or something. And I was like, you're doing this as a hobby and this is like something I worked so hard to get in there. And I was just, you know, you can take that one of two ways. You can say, oh, you know what? Then screw it. Like, let's just throw our hands up and have a good time because, you know, I could potentially be the coolest person in this room. Or you could take it another way and say, oh my God, what is it even all for? Like, if anybody Mm -hmm. can do this, then why am I doing it? And so that's where your mentality really comes in handy. Like, how... How serious, how much can you, I, I'm a big fan of laughing at this job. I'm a big fan of taking it. <laughs> there's a reason my podcast is called One Broke Actress. Yeah. Is because like it, you have to, for me, I have to find the the humor in this because it is so silly, right? You could it work is. your entire life to get this big audition for a big role and like the director's babysitter can be given the role. You know what I mean? And yeah. like I say that because I've been the director's babysitter. So, <laughs> so like you have to laugh because it's so silly and it's so it makes no sense and like if you get if you take it too seriously you just it just it burns you out so fast absolutely and it's funny Andrew my husband is treating he's a physical therapist for performers and he's in London he's treating all the western musicals and he said that the top star of the show came in for vocal treatment and said to him oh I don't take this seriously we're just playing dress-ups and I've always held on to that, that the star yeah. of the show is like, oh, my goodness, it's just dress-ups. And, I, you know, we forget because we get so intense about making it so-called, which is, like you said, there is no ladder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I love that. Well, what would you say then acting in L.A. would be the highs and the lows other than what you just said? Mm. <laughs> that is a low. Oh, man. I mean, every time you get your car towed, <laughs> there's just a whole other world. Um, when I, I mean, when I first got here, I had no idea what I was doing. I had never paid for parking in my life. I had never, you know, and so the being in a 
not just a city, but a huge city, a big sprawling city, uh, really, really sent me for a loop. I'm so glad I did it. I'm so glad I just had the balls to just come out here and say, I'm going to do this. This is the life I'm going to live. I'll just figure it out. And, you know, I, I fell on my face multiple times. And the first couple of years, there was no there was no roadmap even in terms of podcasts. There was no YouTube channels of actors like who weren't famous. There was no uh, real stories. And so you just had to kind of go with the people around you and just hope for the best. And I think that there, I was probably pretty depressed for those first few years because there was so little lack of information. And because of that, I felt like I was losing, like I was mm. behind, like I was the one who didn't get it. Like there was a memo that everyone got but me. And, you know, I would see people who booked and I was like, I just don't understand how they connected the dots. How did they get in that room to get the thing, to get the next thing? Like I just, it was so, so hard. Um, and that, that was, you know, gatekeeping is still a thing and it, but it was a much bigger thing back then. And that's part of the reason I have my whole platform is because I, I want to not be a gatekeeper. I want to foster community and share the things I learn and, and give so much back that I wish I would have had. And that was really hard at first. I think those were there's there were some pretty hard lows in that in terms of just assuming that I was the one who wasn't getting it, that I was the one who didn't understand. And then there's some really lovely highs, and I would I I always get a little nervous to say this because it was such a tragic time and such a dark time, and so many lost so much. But in the pandemic, I was able to take my first breath. I had been in LA for almost 10 years. I had been working nonstop since I got here. And I don't mean like booking. I mean like paying my rent uh, and getting by and having enough money to, to just continue to live. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you know, I, I was working five jobs and I was just trying to get to the next thing. And I looked at acting as this lifeline to get me out of my current situation, not something that made me who I was or was a piece of me. It was like the savior I was looking for. And in the pandemic, everyone stopped. And there was a moment of quiet. And I would thought, well, if, if no one else is working, then I'm also not working. And for the first time, we're all doing the same thing. And it gave me solace. And it also gave me a gentle place to start talking more, to add more of myself to my podcast and the posts I was doing and sharing because I didn't feel like I was running out of time for the first time. I felt like we were all on even playing field. And that ended up being a jumping off point for kind of revamping my whole day-to-day -day life because because of the fact that I had a moment to myself, because I had time to think about what I wanted my life to look like if I wasn't going to book a big job tomorrow. And that's definitely been a huge high. You know, I, I would love to tell you that like booking all of my roles has been the biggest high. And it always is. It always is a really exciting high when you book something. But my brain is also like, okay, but what if you test positive for COVID. But what if they write your character out? But what if? And so I try, I celebrate those victories, but those also haven't been the greatest victories. You know, like the greatest victories is meeting my husband at the job I got out here, meeting my best friends. Um, you know, in next, next weekend, we're going to one of my best friend's wedding in Palm Springs. And I met her because I started working out at a gym because I could afford it because it was by the little house in the backyard of someone's like house I was renting at one point in Hollywood, like 10 years ago. So it's just like the funny things in life. And that to me is like really what a life is. And if work happens to happen along the way while I'm building up who I am, fabulous, you know, but it's just that, so not what speaking, makes it what it is. You can only know this from going through it. And I, it, yeah. what you're saying is profound for most performers to hear because we often think we are not worthy because we haven't got A, B, C, D credit. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you just said it. You, you hit the nail on the head because we are worthy because, yeah, we get something along the way, but we're worthy because we're a human being, we're a wife, we're a sister, we're a mother, we're a pet owner, all these yeah. other beautiful things that actually when we get to the end of our life are the things that are going to be what we're thinking about the most 
and thankful for the most, I think. Um, And so I really, really appreciate you saying that. I appreciate your honesty because I've gone on a similar journey where I wanted it so bad and it was a Mm. worthiness question where now it's like, yeah, if I get it along the way, but I love the life that I'm building. And And, yeah. 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 Well, and permission to like your life without having the credits you think you're entitled to is really hard to get to. And it took me a long time. And also, to be fair, I don't feel this way every day like today's. We're we're feeling in a good place. Tomorrow, there might be a day where I'm like, I'm the only person who hasn't booked a job and this is I'm not getting (laughs) enough knowledge. Like it's a day-by-day process of like reigning in your mentality. But I've, you know, I've had the pleasure of I booked some some bigger roles at this point. I and and then nothing changed. You know, like I didn't sure there might be a point where I book a big enough role to where it does actually move the needle a significant amount. But I've talked to a lot of professionals in this business via my podcast or just day-to-day life and they've shared this same sentiment that yeah, sometimes one job will lead to another and sometimes one job will lead to a long time of not booking another job. And if you can learn to live with that, your life is going to be a lot greater. I was like, oh no, once I book three episodes of a show, I'm totally going to be off to the races. And then I fell smack on my face again. You know, I did a, I shot a show that came out in 20, it came out last summer um, for Amazon and I was in three episodes and it was great and I got fabulous footage. And then I didn't have an audition for a few months after even it came out. And that's the reality I wish more people would talk about is that that is the life. So if if I'm going to continuously agree to work hard – also, I'm working really hard and I know I'm doing some of the best acting I think I've ever done. And if I can justify that, well, then something will eventually show up that's right for me. Something will work out, whatever the next thing is, and I can continue mm-hmm. to work really hard and show up in the meantime. Like I said, today's a good day. <laughs> You're it's catching true. me on a good one. <laughs> That's truth because the closer you get to it, often the harder it is. Like when yes. we're right on the cusp of, you know, the, the third callback or whatever it is, is often mm. where it's, it is the hardest, isn't it? Because you get yeah. so close to your oh. dream. <laughs> and, you know, like and that, that play I mentioned, you yeah. know, I auditioned for that and I got really attached to that character. I read the play mm. two or three times. Yeah. I was like, oh, I can see her and I get her and I did a breakdown and I worked with my coach on her and all of this stuff. And I didn't get it. And that was quite a bummer. I was like, oh man. And I went through my sads and I did my whole thing that I do. I just actually released a podcast episode about like getting over some sad stuff over I've a weekend. Heard it. Yes. Thank I've heard you. It. This morning I do my research. Yeah. We oh, appreciate that. You know we about that. that. <laughs> Indeed. And uh, and and you know, having a process of how I get away from those feelings helps me get back to this center where I can say, okay, what is actually important? What is my day-to-day life? And also, I have other businesses outside of acting, and acting mm. is not my only stream of income. So that mm-hmm. is a huge part of my financial well-being, of my day-to-day well-being, and how I can continue to work in this business without necessarily, quote-unquote, working in this business. Yeah, that's, that's gold because the more we kind of have a one-track mind that this is how my life should look, this is how I should make my money, and this is how I'll be considered worthy or not, the less yeah. we realize all the other gifts that go dormant in us, like your gift with podcasting, your ability to run your own business, um, all of these other things that actually give your life meaning and purpose that yeah. wouldn't be there if you weren't doing what you're doing. So I actually 100%. think big picture is actually a beautiful thing, but it takes a journey, doesn't it, to get there, mm. to, see, to see that your life with a bird's eye view. So how do you refine your craft on the day-to-day? You said you're doing some of the best work now that you've ever done. What do you think makes that possible? Yeah, I'm actually working with a coach right now specifically. Um, For the first time, I'm not in – I shouldn't say I'm not in ongoing class. I am. It's just different. Uh, I've been in class basically ever since I realized – I took my head out of the sand and realized that I needed more help getting on camera. Uh, And, uh, and, you know, I've been in some really fabulous classes. And right now I'm working with a coach. Her name is Elisa Perry and she's great. We work together weekly and it's nice because it's very specific and nuanced to what I need and where I'm going and the work that I'm getting and or not getting, right? Like, is there something missing from my package? What do we want to work on? 
Um, and that sort of specific attention is where I'm at in my career in terms of moving the needle, in terms of getting some actual actual specific changes in my work of up-leveling. You know, it's it's the tiniest little things that sometimes change things. And and that's been really, really helpful. Um, I also am back in improv class, which has really Ooh. been fun. Um, <laughs> You know, back to the beginner mindset thing. I wanted to mm-hmm. go somewhere and be in person with actors, and I. But I also wanted not so much homework because because of the fact that I run my platform. I also run a podcast production business, and I run my acting career. So I wanted to go somewhere weekly and show up and just be present and not have to prep for hours in advance and not have to you know and just practice being present. And man, nothing makes you more present than improv. <laughs> Oh, I couldn't agree more. I nailed yeah. a commercial audition last week because of impro. That oh. was that is why I did well at it because it basically required improvisation and there's nothing it makes you so present and so in the moment and I so enjoy it. I do. Yeah. <laughs> and I think listen, I think that uh podcasting is actually a great tool in up-leveling your listening, which up-levels your ability to be in the moment. So mm. You know, you're practicing that. I'm practicing that. This is another thing. I'm I'm constantly having conversations about this work. I'm constantly meeting other people and listening and talking and trying to stay on par with them, which is easier said than done. Um, so those are all things that I do consider as a part of my work, right? So I'm in the improv. I'm coaching with someone, but I'm also actively practicing listening. I'm also working in my day to day life to do less so I can be present for more. Um, And this is a gift of being a little bit older, having built my businesses at this point. I have other people who work with me and for me. And so I'm not necessarily grinding it out for $20 an hour anymore. Um, You know, I did that for so long and I worked pretty hard to get to the point that I am at, which is really exciting. (laughs) Um, But I'm I'm not, I'm trying not to pack my days anymore. I used to uh, console myself with busyness and in therapy. Another thing I highly recommend to everyone, uh, I have been working really hard on not finding, like you mentioned earlier, worthiness in filling up a to-do sheet in doing more. I'm trying to do less and be comfortable with that and be okay with maybe not always having something I'm checking off my list. Because you know, when you get to set and you're in between takes, the people who are building relationships, the people who are backstage having a conversation about, oh, I made this recipe last night or, oh, my kids, I have to drop them off at soccer practice or, oh, you know, the more of a human you are in those relationships and the less of a robot, the better and more likely people want to work with you. And I want (laughs) to experience life. Yeah. Mm. I want to experience life. So I'm not just playing at it in a scene. I'm actually an active participant in it, which means making less money sometimes, by the way. (laughs) So I have less availability on my calendar. Um, and, but I'm, but I'm trying to make that a priority for myself because I think that makes me Mm. a better actor so I can focus when I do have work to do. Oh my goodness. And a healthier human. I think, I don't know if you're a three on the Enneagram, a lot of, um, driven people. Oh, you're a helper. Oh, wow. I like that. Oh, no, no. Oh yeah. You're right. You're right. I'm a three three? wing two. Mm -hmm. Ah, we're the same, which makes sense because we want to tick boxes. I'm like, you sound like me. I want to tick boxes. I want to achieve a lot. I want to run all these things. But now I'm very similar. I don't want to hustle, especially not for worthiness. And I just want stillness. I want stillness on my weekends. I want nature. I want calm. I want family walks around the neighborhood. Mm, Um, I, yeah. yeah, I think my capacity changed after the long forced rest of what was it now 2021 I don't know when COVID was but my capacity to do a lot changed and I'm okay with that I'm actually happy about it because I think how did it change did you have kids then yeah I had kids and I think the big forced rest and as many say reset made a lot of us realize how much we're doing in life and it's just considered normal and I remember going wow I love that I don't have to show up at anything um I also like you loved that it felt like a rest for me as a performer that I didn't feel like I had to be, you know, submitting something or doing something every second of the day. And I realized I actually really liked the quiet and I liked not 
running around and being able to be an artist is actually being able to rest and dream and create and focus on what really I want to do in my life. Um, and that I think it fine-tuned it. And um, I think yeah. it did for a lot of people. And if not, if they've picked up the same level of hustle, I think, um, well, good for them, but that's not me. <laughs> yeah. And listen, there's there's time. You know what? It's just like the roller coaster of the career. There are days where I wake up and I'm like, I can't wait to get this done and to create this program and to make these posts for Instagram and all of these things. And then there are days like today where I was like, well, you know, I have meetings all day and uh, – I am going to check my Slack and email and I'm going to make it from now until dinner and I'm going to make a recipe and I'm going to like, that's going to be my, that's the biggest exciting thing about today, you know? So there are, you just have to define your own day-to-day schedule and also not look at what other people are doing. Oh, it's so hard. It's so hard. 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 Mm. Do you struggle with that too? There is um, a saying I always say, um, you know, when I feel that anxiety come up, like when you're Mm -hmm. maybe on social media and you're seeing, um, I've started to recognize the anxiety and go, breathe, sit with this for a minute, what's going on? Oh, they're doing what I want to be doing. So let's go and do what I'm supposed to be doing today, like rather than, but um, compare leads to despair is the saying, um, always. And I, yeah, I've learned to, whenever I feel that stress, sit for a minute and actually work it out. And not for long. Mm. I mean, 30 seconds. It's not, not long. Um, and it's very healthy. And I, and I do, I get that, that anxiety, that stress that it's kind of like, I can liken it to a food craving when you know you shouldn't eat something and you feel this big thing come up inside of you. But then if you just sit for a minute, take a breath, it goes away. It's the same Mm. with all of those unhealthy thoughts. Um, yeah. Yeah. If we actually, like you said in your episode this morning, just let it process through you and let it go and pass through. Speaking of that, this is wellness. How do you prioritize your wellness as Mm. an actor? Wow. Well, what we've been talking about is definitely a new thing. You know, if you would have asked me five years ago, I would have said, well, I work out and I do this and I do that, and which is also a part of it. But I'll tell you that doing less has been much more uh, – has exemplified my wellness much more than I ever thought possible because – I get very stressed when I look at my schedule and I have eight meetings in a day when I have, you know, a hundred tasks I have to accomplish. And then I show up to every single one of those meetings or those tasks with a go, 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 go. And my stress level is so high during all of them that I'm never present. I'm never in my body. Um, it will lead me to like, you know, burning myself out or running around like a crazy person or, you know, I just miss out on all of the pieces of the day. And then I crawl into bed, fall asleep, and I'm like, what did I even get done today? And taking taking on less has been a big part of that. It's hard to do – it's hard to convince yourself sometimes that that's wellness because we see wellness as, oh, you have to have a self-care practice where you journal and then meditate and then you work out and then you take a bath and then you have a cold coffee and then you have a matcha. And it's like those are actually to-do list items. And that's fine if they make you feel good. Yeah, sometimes I journal. Sometimes I meditate. But when I require myself to do everything out of habit and not out of because I want to – um, that detracts from my wellness. And so mm. I've had to really get serious about like being present, doing less. And uh, therapy has been a big piece of that. I know I mentioned it earlier. It's fine. But, um, I've had plenty. <laughs> I think everyone I'm should proud especially. Of it. <laughs> yeah. And I think we're so lucky that we're in a time period where it's not it's not weird to be in therapy. In fact, it's almost weirder if you haven't been to therapy. <laughs> And that's nothing to be proud of, especially if you need it (laughs) and everyone around you knows you need it. (laughs) Yeah. And I think I kind of believe that almost everyone, whether or not they feel like they quote unquote need it, I think that everyone needs a place where they can go and just put things out there. And sometimes we end up accidentally burdening our most loved ones with all of that stuff instead of seeing a professional. And Mm, listen- There is so, so much that needs to be done in our healthcare system in terms of representing minority groups and actually making things affordable to people who actually need it. Um, So that's a conversation for another day. Another day. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. And since coming here from free public health care countries, it's it's Mm -hmm. a shock. It's a shock. Mm -hmm. But I I hear you on that. Yeah, we do people a disservice. Yeah. Definitely. Because it's so – I mean – 
I, I needed therapy way more when I was running around from one of my five jobs to the next. And I definitely absolutely could not afford it. So let alone anybody who's ever experienced any persecution for being in a minority group. Um, mm. There's, you know, I found there are a lot of programs that state sponsored help and things like that when you are of a lower income that I utilized for a long time. Um, it just takes a little bit more of a discerning eye to find your person in terms of therapy. And, you know, right now I'm speaking with someone who I'm really enjoying, but if it, if over time I feel like they're not the right fit for me, I will change it up. I will find a new yeah. person. Um, but I, that has been, you know, getting to know yourself as an artist is a form of wellness because some things don't work for some people, you know, some, some habits, some aspects aren't helpful. Sometimes my, and things that you might've been praised for in the past, you might want to recheck in on, right? Like I get a lot of praise for being very, um, uh, very busy. And I get a lot of praise for (laughs) accomplishing a lot. And like my house is always clean. Those are actually some things I'm dealing with in terms of OCD tendencies, and I have trouble sitting still. And me getting better at that and spending time on that, as silly as it sounds to just sit down and watch an episode of Real Housewives without taking out my phone, (laughs) (laughs) is actually me working on my wellness because I need to sit still. And that in turn is giving me more stillness, and I'm finding myself – doing better work in my scenes because I am allowing them to move at a slower pace. Wow. That is actually really profound. And science is actually saying we're not losing our capacity to focus. We are not practicing focus. There's a big difference because people are like, oh, we're actually losing our capacity because of all the multitasking. No, no, that's not true. There's no science to back it. So I'm like, okay, well, I want to practice focus. Because Did you read the book Stolen Focus? No, I haven't. Oh, you should it read it. Good. It's okay. really good. It's nice. really good. I highly yeah. recommend that one. Yeah. I will. I love a good a good book that goes deep into it. It's written by a PhD and anything to do with the brain, I'm like, give it to me right now. You'll like this one then. I this think one's I, really I good. I want to be a psychologist in a – another life. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I wasn't an actor. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, but you could play one on TV. That's true. Actually, I could. And I have (laughs) once. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. Um, All right. Let's just hear the beginning of One Broke Actress. You just went to Vegas. I mean, big things are (laughs) happening for you. That's huge. Six years ago, you're like, I'm going to get on a microphone and I'm going to speak about the truth about LA. What led to that and what happened in a summary over the last six years? Yeah. Oh, man, (laughs) so much stuff. So I – in – 2016, I started a blog called One Broke Actress because I just felt like I had experienced so many highs and lows and I didn't have a place to put my thoughts on them. Um, And I never anticipated sharing it. I just needed a place to start it. I needed a project at the time because I had come back from a movie. I was unemployed. I was experiencing so many highs and lows. And I was like, okay, this is just something I'm going to do with my free time. And the following year, I started a podcast that coincided with One Broke Actress because I had been interviewing actors for the blog and then transcribing the interview into text. And I realized I hate transcription. (laughs) It's so tedious. I was like, why don't I just record this? I think this would be a way better use of my time. So I started the One Broke Actress podcast. Podcasts were not very popular um, in 2017. They were starting to pick up. I had had one before that with a friend that was just a chat podcast called Not According to Plan. And you know, I started One Broke Actress. Not According to Plan kind of came to a stop. Uh, My co-host moved. And I just kept it going. Um, So for the first couple of years, I just did it as this is a project for me. I have a lot of questions. I want people to answer them. And then people started to find it and they would say, I think this is so true or I feel so seen by this. I was like, wait, it's not just me who feels this stuff. We're all in this together. But like, Mm -hmm. and then actors who had booked way more than me would say, I'm so glad you're talking about that. I was like, oh, so this is true for all of us. Okay. And, you know, I did it almost exclusively guests because I was too afraid to do solo episodes. I didn't think I had the clout to hold it down, in my own opinion, which is funny. Um, And then in 2020, when the world went on pause and I had nothing else to work on, I was like, well, I'm going to do season six of the podcast and just keep going. And we're now on season 11. So we've really just kept it rolling. And uh, I do seasons because I like to take 
rest. <laughs> yeah, that, and that gives you a reason to. <laughs> yeah, it totally yeah. helps. And, uh, and you know, I, I do a mix of solo episodes of me talking about my life and just the stuff I'm dealing with and guests, um, One Broke Actresses, email list and platform and Instagram and all of that stuff have grown exponentially. And now I'm kind of more focusing on the longer form content. So the podcast, the YouTube, and just sharing what my experiences are mixed with the people I've talked to. And I strongly believe that most success stories are written after they happen. And I want to be able to reference mine while it's happening. I want to have this almost live journal style of this is what I was going through in 2018, 2020, 2022, and to be able to reference it back. And it's scary, right? It's scary to know that I'm really putting my life out into the world. And there are days where I'm like, what am I doing? Um, but yeah. to this point, it's really served me really well because my community is so vast. I can talk to people all over this business. I feel so supported because I think the place I'm coming from is not, I know better than you. I'm the yeah. guru. You're not. The place I'm coming from is, I think that this is true. Does anyone want to add to it? Mm. Or I have a question about this. Does anyone want to be an expert in this area? And I think coming at it from that perspective is just a little bit more open-ended and invites more people in. And it's been really eye-opening. And now, I mean, now it's a whole business. Now I have a very, very active membership group. I have a very, very uh, full podcast schedule. Um, the podcast is a SAG after podcast. So now I get to pay into my own health and pension with my union, which is thrilling. Yeah. And uh, and because of it, I've gotten so involved in podcasting. I now run a podcast production company. Which That's is my main wild. income. <laughs> I know. Well, I totally thought too that I would have to be an audio engineer in order to do what I'm doing. Mm. And you think that you have to be this like expert level at any business. And it turns out you can just be really invested in something and really enthusiastic about it and open to learning. And you can have a business, which is crazy. Yeah. I would never self-identify as an entrepreneur, but I technically, you know, technically I say oh, I run are. three businesses. Yeah. I run yeah. One Broke Actress. I run mm. Fast Forward, which is the podcast production company. And I run my acting career. And yeah. You know, listen, I'm tired a lot, but other than that, it's magical. I used to run to five jobs and now I just run from the bedroom to my desk. It's fine. I relate because I'm the same. But yet that's what I think when we were talking earlier about doing less, it's doing less of all the other things, but focusing on your primary passion and gifting. And that is, I guess, it not a guess, it is a privilege to be able to do that at this point. hundred percent. But also, we're not 21 anymore, so mm -hmm, mm -hmm, <laughs> I've mm -hmm. done the millions of jobs. I've done all of that too, and I think it's nice when you can start to earn income from your own business and control your own day a little bit to, to an extent. Yeah. Yeah, so I relate. I really do. And I thank you for sharing your story. And I'm so I, I'm wowed by it because I know when you start this, you, you can't imagine where it'll be, but you stick at it, right? Yeah. And and it's blessed so many people, and I think that's super, super cool. So on that note, what do you think is the best advice you've ever had about running your side hustle? Hmm. It's not necessarily – I say this on my podcast. I don't like the word side hustle. I like parallel mm -hmm. career because performers, that's really what it is. But um, but what would you say? Have you ever received advice around that? Yeah. Uh, my friend and the co-owner of Fast Forward, her name's Ashley Pollard, and she runs – her own uh, business consulting group, but she has a saying, it's not hard, it's just new. And I use that a lot because I get, I get still get intimidated teaching classes or hosting podcasts or, you know, be sometimes being a guest on people's podcast, I can get in my own head and think, who am I to share? What do I have that's important? That kind of a thing. And I think, you know, this is not, this is not a hard thing. I'm not laying tar on the side of the highway. I am just talking about myself and it's not hard. It's just new. Mm. And I think that is so true in so many aspects of this job. I think about it in terms of every different character too. I think it's so true for acting as well. Um, and then the other piece of advice that I think <laughs> helps me get through my day to day is no one cares. <laughs> That's so true. 
Because we, <laughs> we tend to get so myopic. And, you know, as someone who puts her life on the internet, I can get very in my head about what this looks like or like, is everyone judging me? Or like, does everyone think that like my podcast is not as good as someone else's podcast? Or like, I can't, you know, I haven't put out a post on Instagram in four days. No one cares. Like mm. no one cares. You are your biggest critic and your biggest fan. And if you can just take other people out of the mix, like we said, like not looking at other people's radar type of situation, no one cares. No one ca- – and like, you know, I think that I'm, you know, I'm not – I haven't I've, I haven't booked theatrically in months, so everyone must think I'm lame. No one's noticed. No <laughs> one true. cares. Because you're just, just you. normal. You're the majority actually. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just you. 95% of us are not working at any one time, right? Yeah, <laughs> 100%. Yeah, so that's actually very refreshing that you're honest because it's not a glamorous industry. I don't think it is. You have the, you have your red carpet moment, but that's like 1% of what we do. Yeah. So not glamorous. Yeah, you have to make your you have to make mm. it glamorous for yourself, you know. Yeah, because I yeah. you know, I had a I had a meeting with an actress before this. I take coffee calls with actors where we just sit down and talk for an hour about whatever they need. And sometimes it's like headshots, sometimes it's I don't know if I'm doing enough, that kind of a thing. And this actress had meetings with agents and we were talking about those meetings. And she was like, you know, I don't I don't want to like over prepare. I don't want to, but I also like want to enjoy this. And I was like, what if you just like made it romantic? What if you just made it your version of glamorous? Like you have days because you know this meeting is coming. What if you just lived in the fact that like you two years ago would have been killing for agent meetings and now you have some. So how would you treat yourself five years ago if you knew you were going to have agent meetings this week? Would you dress up a little more during the day? Would you take a walk around your block, go buy yourself a special coffee? Would you like what what joy can you add to your life? Because these are the moments that we'll skip because she'll, you know, wait for the moment where it's like, when I book with the agent, then I'll be feel like life's glamorous. When I get to this point, then I'll be able to treat myself like a star, whatever it is. I was like, we're gonna miss all of these moments if we don't live in them. So let's say you have agent meetings. Let's go take care of yourself. Let's go make it special for you. And I don't care that anyone else sees it as special because they're not going to. No one's going to see it as as special as you do. So we have to make it really great for you specifically and let Mm -hmm. everyone else off the hook. That's such a beautiful thing to say because the less we project, look at my success, it's actually very unattractive, particularly Mm -hmm. to friends that are not actors. Um, and I find the healthiest I've, I've been able to get to is when I've had the breaks, like whether it's the forced break because of COVID or I am, for whatever reason, like visas, not able to act because I'm not allowed in the country. A writer's strike, like right now. <laughs> maybe, um, maybe, maybe. That, all those things. I actually find the break sometimes helps me reset and not get into any kind of projection of success. Um and go, you know, I've got a lot to celebrate. And I think that takes a bit of sitting still and looking in with sometimes. Um, all right, on the ver- on success, how do you define success then versus now? Mm, I mean, of course, my early definition of success was booking really big, fabulous jobs. Yeah. It was being interviewed behind the scenes and waking up every day to get on set. And it's funny because the days I have woken up to be on set, I'm usually so stressed about being there on time, making sure I have my bag packed. <laughs> like, yeah. did I grab a coffee? Do I need to eat something? There's so many other things. Did I need to answer my email before I got there? You know, there's so many other things in your brain that it you can kind of miss it, like I said, if you don't take the time. Um, but success for me now, this is something I'm grappling with a little bit because I am actually not sure. Mm. I'm actually not sure what it looks like because – I could tell you that I actually feel successful for the first time in my life because I'm making a really healthy income. I am mm. I have a savings account that is bigger than my bank account for the first time in my life. Cool. And it's read that to me is like, that feels very successful. Being mm. able to, you know, my dog's one of them had to go to the vet this weekend very unexpectedly for an accident and being able to go there without fear of, oh my God, I'm not going to be able to pay rent or buy groceries mm. next week. That felt very much like success. 
So I do feel successful right now. I foresee it's really cool. It's really cool. cool. That is definitely a financial freedom of success. Um, Mm. And, you know, it could, (laughs) this is the crazy part is like it could change tomorrow. It could all technically go away with a small act, you know, something crazy could happen. But that for right now, I feel successful in terms of my acting career. There are some beautiful points I'd love to hit. I would love to be on the same set for long enough that I'm friends with the hair and makeup team and we have like inside jokes that we share. (laughs) And I know, you know, I have my own trailer that like I keep stuff in, not just because I showed up there for that day. It's like my trailer and like it has, you know, some pictures I keep in it or frames or something like that. That, Mm -hmm. that to me, that is, I think, my next piece of success. And I almost feel like defining it indefinitely is something I can't do anymore because I just have no idea what it could look like. Because if you would have told me I was running a podcast production company and I was getting more press about my podcast than I was about my acting, I would have never thought that that was successful. But Mm -hmm. it is. Um, So I just don't really know what's coming down the pipe. But I think those type of moments, like having a team I see so often that we have inside jokes, having consistency and like going to my trailer for a little while and having it be mine. Those are my next levels that I'm really excited to experience. That's the coolest answer. (laughs) (laughs) Just That's just so refreshing. Um, Like I said, it's just so good to be honest and to success. The reason I ask that is that success does change for us. Mm, Not only does the bar move, but our perspective of success moves. And you can see that very much in your response. And I think that's lovely. So with that in mind, what advice would you give young Sam? Just got to Mm. LA from old Sam, not that you're old, but old Sam now and present day to young Sam then. (laughs) Mm. Oh, to just take a deep breath. Oh, Mm. to just, to just ease a little bit. And it's hard to say because it's, I'd like to think that everything I did, every, you know, wall I ran myself up, every moment that I stopped and cried in a parking lot got me to where I am now. But I do think there was some unnecessary stress I put on myself Mm, that I could take away. I always felt like I was falling behind. I always felt like there was a right and a wrong. Like there was a right answer to a situation. There was the right rep. I could get. There was the right way to read the sides. And I don't think that that's true. And I don't think – now I say I don't make mistakes. I make better blog posts. And (laughs) I need to update that too. I make better podcasts Um, because everything I've done that has been thrown off has helped me get to the point that I'm at now. So, you know, it's just like take a deep breath and know that you're doing the right thing. You're in the right place because there is no right or wrong. Mm, That's beautiful. Thank you for your time and your wisdom. And I want to give you one last closing question for our listeners um, around a few things. Like, Do you think it's possible to be happy while pursuing your dreams in the entertainment industry? And on that, like any advice for performers or wannabe performers? Mm. I am starting to be of the belief that happiness is not a consistent feeling, but available in moments. Because I think if I'm always trying to be happy, then I'm going to miss life happening because Mm. life is not – you have to be sad in order to be happy uh, because you can't have the extremes without each other. And I don't think that happiness is like Ugh, I, I hate this saying so much because it's so trite, but like happiness is not a destination. It's the journey. Um, but because I don't, but, but listen, but I don't think true. every piece of this, yeah, yeah, but I don't think every piece of this journey is happy. You know, I've had mm. a lot of dark times and there's been a lot of sad moments and a lot of bummer times and things like that. And I think that stopping looking for like happiness, quote unquote, And just being present changes things a lot. So you note when you're actually, am I, is it, is it that I'm not happy or is it that there's something actually missing? Is there something I can do about the scenario or or is it just a mindset thing? Um, Those, those, that's definitely more of, more of the happiness, I think, in terms of this life, Um, because it's not all about 
work is one piece of our job. It's not who we are. And I think as artists, we sometimes confuse our work with ourselves. Mm. And it's hard. It's hard to not get them confused. But at the end of the day, you are more than just an artist or an actor. You are also a litany of things to a bunch of other people. And that has made me I've been I've been happier to be a great friend than to be a great actor I think any mm. day of the week. Yeah, such beautiful perspective that can only come through doing the hard yards of life and getting to where you are now and I know that in 10 years if I was to interview you again you would have way more insights because that is life you know we grow and yeah. I want to be the person who celebrates gray hairs and goes wow mm. look at what we know respect to that but I thank you for all of the wisdom for doing the hard yards for being honest um, with your podcast and your life and I think that vulnerability is really reaching and touching a lot of other people's lives so I thank you for your time thank you <laughs> Hey, on my Facebook, there is a healthy, wealthy, wise artist group made up of a tribe of artists seeking to live the healthy, wealthy, wise artist life. They ask each other questions and throw around ideas. You can join the Healthy, Wealthy, Wise Artist Community private Facebook group at Lara Bianca Pilcher on Facebook under groups. Phew, today's masterclass is done. I love reaching back and saying I've done this and helping you learn the easy way. If you want more, head to larabiancapilcher.com for show notes, links, freebies, my blog, coaching and courses. And you can also head to my socials, larabiancapilcher on Instagram and Facebook. I'm also on Twitter and Pinterest. Thanks again for listening. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That would mean the world to me and I'll give you a shout out. And of course, keep on living the healthy, wealthy, wise artist living towards your dream life. Bye, friends. P.S. Shout out to my hottie hubby, Andrew Pilcher, who does all the editing on this podcast.